Hello, welcome back to Novelty and today's episode is about We Were Liars by E. Lockhart and today's episode me and a dear friend Elliot and we speak about the book and the main themes, privilege and also speak about lies and the narratives that we tell ourselves and of course my dear friend, my dear friend may have limited knowledge of the book but let that not distract from a conversation that I find interesting and hope you guys find it interesting as well. Have a good December, good week, bye bye. Hello and welcome back to the podcast and today we're here to discuss privilege, our own and everyone else's and this idea of invention and the stories that we tell ourselves to get through the day and our lives and that is through the lens of we were liars but in order to do that I need a partner, I need a guest and that person is the superb Sudanese Alia, yay! Hi, hi guys. Yeah, so my name's Alia, um, and I'm really, really happy to be here tonight. <laughs> You're like in a talk show. Uh, yeah, very nice. Very nice to hear. Right, we're going to get straight into it. The first thing I like to do to make sure everyone, you know, has their wits about them, that is, you know, everyone is engaged. We need to summarise the plot of We Were Liars in one minute and 30 seconds. Starting in three... Two, one, go. Okay, so the book We Are Liars is about um, a family, and those the family is the Sinclairs, right? The Sinclairs are, you know, even from the way that they are described and the way that you know um, <clears throat> the house and like description is described, they're very, very well off. Right? You can tell someone and... hasn't read the book when you're wasting so much time <laughs> on the first sentence. Continue you know, on, please. Just continue. The, um, I'm not redoing it, Alia. You need to continue. I'm not redoing it. You need to do it. Okay, I am. Well. You need okay. to do it. You're doing okay. it. So it's about a family called the Sinclairs, and they're really, really well off, um, really rich. They're very, like, um, very close as a family, right? And it focuses on this one person called um, Cadence. So she's a girl, and it's about they like. Um, there are often quite a lot of flashbacks this time when 30 seconds like 30 yeah, seconds the entire plot so she, fa- so she falls in- <laughs> she falls in love with like a guy, a guy called guy <laughs> she has, basically something massive happened <laughs> something happened something massive happened <laughs> and then you realise you can spoil it you can spoil it she was the one she She was the one that burnt the house down and it's like basically the house is like very very much like um symbolic of like the power the strength their wealth and she was the one that burnt it down but you're so stop stop talking it's fine stop talking alia yeah though you know i thought sama was bad you're worse you're actually you're (laughs) you're worse you're worse Yeah, right now you have like I'll give you one minute to rectify what you just did. Like correct yourself. Describe the describe the plot again in more okay. calm tones. Okay. So Sinclair family, very, very well off. Um they always come together in the summer. They um they reminisce, they always talk back about something that's happened, something major has happened, and that, that something that's happened is a fire. That's what we learn we learn at the end, right? Mm-hmm. That's something big that's happened. 
which is the fire, no one can really understand it. No one can really grapple their, um, their heads around it. Cadence is sitting there with, you know, she has a lot of um, pills for her migraines. Um, she struggles a lot and everyone kind of struggles a lot as a result and everyone's being kind of tentative and Cadence is on like this sort of discovery as to understand why. Mm -hmm. And everyone knows about it, but no one tells her. Yeah. She also, in that summer, the previous summer, fell in love with a guy called Gat, who, um, you know, what happens to them two isn't very, isn't very clear. I think it's much more of a summer love. And then towards the end of the story, there's a realisation where um, the scenes of the fire are then, like, read out. And when you read them out, you realise that Cadence was the one that actually started the fire in the first place. Mm -hmm. So that is a massive, massive, like, plot twist towards the end because you know it was so upsetting that everyone I, i'm not even sure who was blamed or whatever but um no no one told her that it was her she had to you know go off her meds and experiment and whatnot and do a little adventure to understand it was her yeah see that's a good summary had you done that when you were meant to it would have been stupendous what I did before was I literally, when you were showing your screen, I had the, the plot review on Google. <laughs> so that obviously didn't work. So right now I just did it from actually the top of my head from when I read it in year 10. Yeah, but it's good, isn't it? All right, so I guess to begin a conversation, I'd like to ask you a question just generally that I think can summarise privilege in a good way. But what is something that's easy for you but difficult for most other people? Oh, that's quite a good question, actually. I think that there are quite a lot of things. I think one could be the fact that, well, to some people, I'd say that I'm well-spoken in a sense where, like, um, other people don't think I'm well-spoken. <laughs> but um, there are, as in, like, in a sense where, like, even if, right, you've been in this country for 20 years and... If you're an immigrant and whatnot and you have a slightly different accent you know there you do get treated a little bit differently mm. and i i, I, I think because i was born in this country or not even just because i was born because i don't literally just don't have an accent i don't think i'm necessarily subjected to that yeah and i think people especially when they hear my voice perhaps on the phone or zoom like less so when they see me in person i think they're more inclined to listen to what i have to say i think i've noticed that like my voice especially because some people wouldn't associate with how I look like. I think that when I've been on Zooms where I haven't shown my face or perhaps I've been on call, I think that I generally have been, you know, respected, respected a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds interesting. I guess, like, if your voice is more, quote-unquote, white passing, you tend to benefit more if they don't really see your physical features and your physical attributes because they get your voice and they're like, yeah, I can listen to yeah. her, respect her, and, and then alternatively, if you had a different yeah, accent. Yeah, but more... Yeah. But literally, it literally goes so far as so, like, people just think that if you have an English accent, you're a lot more smarter, educational. Yeah. Like, they will literally take you so much more serious. An example of this was, like, the GP had kept calling my mum for some reason. My mum has an mm -hmm. accent, and I'm trying to communicate the fact that it was something kind of... Not even serious, but just it was an admin issue, yeah. and the the receptionist just wouldn't listen to her, and I just got so frustrated because I can see how my mom was getting so frustrated, and I literally took taken the phone off her, and explained it just properly once, and she'd like I'm a daughter, do you get what I mean? Yeah. Like, and she immediately just listened to me, do you get what I mean? Like it was so less so, and I feel like people 
of course people have long days and whatnot but if you don't take the time to just be a bit slow for someone or to make sure you understand someone who might just not have the exact same access to that literally just makes so much of a difference and to respect them so much more yeah. like even the way that you talk to them they're not stupid do you know what i mean yeah it saves time energy and you get to respect people see all round benefits <laughs> exactly yeah exactly how would you define privilege though i think privilege is something that whether or not it's acquired or inherited it's something that puts you in a better position mm. than others yeah, that's a good definition but when i was basically research um privilege i noticed that some people would attribute that to advantage so would you say like having an advantage and having a privilege it's the same thing or would you say they're distinct things i think privilege if not you like privilege if used is an advantage but if you have a privilege and don't you perhaps utilize it then i don't see how you could have an advantage but even okay that obviously depends with some stuff because okay. someone who's white you know i mean you don't really utilize your whiteness but the fact that you are white that in itself is an advantage so i guess some of them don't need that but i think that if you there are other stuff like i don't know perhaps if your mom's a lawyer and she has so many connections mm-hmm. of course like well then that, that's a bit niche in a sense where oh to not utilize those connections that means it's not an advantage but at the end of the day your mom being a lawyer that in itself has so many advantages just simply being that do yeah. you know what i mean so actually no, I'd like to retract my statement. I think that in most in most scenarios, I think that ha- having privilege definitely is correlated to like you being yeah being at a better position than others. Isn't that an advantage? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I guess I would say similarly to you, I would say privilege privilege gives you an advantage. But you can have an advantage, I guess, about having a bigger privilege. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like, ugh, I feel like it's like, um, trying to give an example. Like, <laughs> I can't think of no example, but it, it feels like it fits like that to me. Like, privilege is a, is a bigger thing, and then advantageous, it's like a drop of privilege, does that make sense? And then it sort of drips off from that. But in terms of the book, how would you summarise the privileges that the Sinclairs have and the problematic nature of it? I think, like, the writer does a good job of the fact that the entire Sinclair house is on an island. They have their own house. I mean, like, it's very, very in their own bubble. And when you live a life of that, like wealth and that comfort i don't know it's like are these people you know i don't know live are they living lives that everyone else is living i don't know they're obviously not living the same life that other people are living but like and then they i think that's like supposed to be a metaphor for how close they are like socially i think from other people yeah could be a, a metaphor for their isolated nature with therefore um creates a myopic perspective of, you know, life around them beyond their privileges, one would one could say. Right, so something that I wrote here verbatim is, I generally worry about who is becoming doctors in our course because we are um, medical students. Oh, wow, that's, that's such and, a good point. Um, yeah. the privileges that make them less inclusive in their thinking and their worries and stuff like that. 
So what are your thoughts on that? No, I I completely sympathise with the worry. I think that, like, it is scary. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. It's not even worrying. I think it's it's actually just scary. Because, like, you give so much trust to these strangers, right? And you expect them to have some sort of a level of integrity. <laughs> and I feel like if you don't display that, it's, it... It honestly just shows, one, how people can just slip through the net. And two, how much, like, I don't know, because obviously, like, can you, I mean, can you blame the net? Can you blame the system in a sense where, like, in a sense where, like, not allowing it? Because it's very easy to go through life and it'd be like that. You know, I think the only time when they'll have, like, actual direct backlash is where perhaps when they are a doctor and they get bad reviews or whatnot. And even, okay, then it can be a bit detrimental. But I feel like it's fairly, fairly simple, like, um, to just mask it. I think it's like if you have if you have so much more to lose you wouldn't be as stupid and that but it goes back to the point where is he being stupid or is he being serious do you know what yeah. I mean because if he's being serious in a sense where like okay <laughs> people listen to this are like who, <laughs> who are you talking about <laughs> exactly um, for context the I'm person like, undergoing yeah. disciplinary action from the college over certain actions that person <laughs> should not have done and um we believe that he's coming from he being the person because coming from point of privilege and um just unawareness that's a bit too much for his age and i guess i guess understandable in his state of privilege i guess maybe i don't know yeah i think it does go back to unaware like are you are you unaware or is it with intention do you go know i mean yeah like he's purposely but i guess being that like that yeah but I guess that also kind of stems from privilege because if you're allowed to become that unaware, then perhaps you've never been in a position. You've yeah. had the privilege to never be in that position mm. where you've had to, you've been forced to be aware. Otherwise, there are like detrimental consequences. Yeah. And speaking of consequences I mean? and the actions that I yeah. guess in, in the book were committed, do you think that the, let's call them the liars, were justified in any way to commit the crime that they committed? So obviously I haven't read this since your term, but like, am I right to <laughs> when, say when that you they just got that. upset one day? <laughs> it's like, uh, does she know the book? Uh, yeah, basically they realised that in order to bring the like their mothers, so like you know how they're all grandchildren and their mothers were like the yeah. ones that yeah. were fighting, having conflict, to bring the whole family together, a tragedy such as the fire would hopefully make them realise that the material things aren't worth everything. Yeah, yeah, I'm so sorry. Like, I am so sorry. Like, even just from my perspective, just hearing that again, I'm just, like, live it again. Like, it's not even just how dare you. It's just, just almost, like, just shut the fuck up. Do you get what I mean? Just, like, stop it. Like, I just, oh, I don't even know why it's under my skin. You know when, like, rich people try to make such, like, massive moves when you're doing this and you just look at them you're just like like performative activism i don't even know yeah for me it just feels so performative it's still still so massively selfish it's still so has so much privilege rooted in the fact that you can do that and at the end of the day everything will be fine no 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 things of consequences if you want to do if you want to get your family close together there are so many different ways about it I remember when I read that I think that's when I got pissed as well because I you know what I know you love this book but for me the fire was just way out of proportion I was like it was unnecessary I didn't need that yeah, need to happen but the fact that is but whether that reflects like a rich people in general or literally just society like how rich people can act rich people are, are allowed to be so reckless mm. 
they're allowed to do whatever they want and they're just allowed to just move because they have the freedom and they have the flexibility and they have the money it's all about the money you can fuck up and still buy another one you can do this and still get another job but for poor people there's no there's there's never you're not allowed to be reckless yeah you're not allowed to be slightly reckless because even if you aren't reckless you'll lose it yeah you're just not allowed to play stupid because mm-hmm. one the whole system is rigged against you and two for you even to be in that position to be able to play stupid you know that it took so much more hard work to get there yeah. so you wouldn't jeopardize that for any for anything yeah yeah they don't, they don't realize the stakes until the stakes were you know staked, exactly i guess <laughs> yeah. but you know what in spite of that do you think that the crime was successful in any way yeah, because of my lack of <laughs> knowledge, remembrance, I can't, yeah, I can't actually remember. Was it successful, do you think, in your opinion? In my opinion, I realised that the nature of the relationship between the sisters or the mums immediately get closer because, you know, after so much grief of losing, you know, their children, they took comfort in each other when before they had many conflicts they realised that there were, you know, greater things in life than the things that they were trying to hold on to physically. You know, there was the, you know, the the love between their children, between each other, and so they became more comforting. So that's, they were successful in that way, but, you know, they they killed themselves, so they weren't that successful, (laughs) were they? (laughs) But unfortunate. Wait, they all died? Mm, All except Cadence. What? <laughs> you can't have this revelation. You can't have this revelation now. Serious? Are you a bit... Honestly... Oh, my God. That's what you like. You can't be shocked. You know, remember. Okay. Like, Gat, like, uh, Johnny, oh and then some God. other... No, 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 no. Do you not remember? They all died. I, 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 knew, I, knew that, I knew that Cadence started the fire, but I don't know Cadence was the only one that lived. I, if, you, if you read this in year 10, wouldn't you remember the whole plot twist? No, I only remember <laughs> half the plot twist, evidently. Don't I'm, oh I'm, I'm still going to release the episode. It's funny anyway. You know what? Do you actually don't remember that? And then the whole like bit of her getting the migraines, mm-hmm. and then at the end, like the ghost... No, I remember the migraines. No, I, I don't remember the ghost, but I remember the migraines and I remember how she was, like, taking pills and she didn't take them or something. And then... And you forgot the plot game. twist. <laughs> I forgot the plot twist. It's very embarrassing. But, okay, but, you know, the fact that in itself, right now, I, I just was so shocked by the plot twist. That in itself is a... Is a I'm rolling my eyes. Okay, yeah. A, okay. That's not a problem, but it's a good thing. It goes to, wow. Not even me, not even me, who's already read this book. Even my subconscious didn't clock it. That's but it worrying. it would get that bad. That's really worrying, you know that, right? Yeah. No, it's not worrying. That is re- I read it in year 10. That's like six years ago. It's actually, wait, 11, 12. <laughs> no, year 10, year 11. No, 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 it was beginning of year 10. I still remember from. 10, 11, 12, 10, 11. 13, 14, 15, five years ago. That's reasonable. You could actually remember the plot exactly. of a book. No, shut up. And at the very, very least, at the very, very least, the plot twist. You know that's unacceptable, no, right? Give me one. 
you're you're an acceptable one because and two you give me something you learned for two, she's you learned trying to fight me on my own podcast i just want to edit it out okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're the villain you know that right you're actually the villain of this um no do i'll do do i'll do i'll make a counter podcast just to be like you know what guys we just speak up against that <laughs> she edited me out i'll do that you think i won't do that do what you want you got, you got to do you know but um, as we've established here, do, you've do. been, um, you're ignorant of the main plot twist, which uh, highly is revelation. But, you know, it didn't take away from your opinions. Okay, I think ignorant is a bit of a strong word. I think it's... Um, ignorant is the word. Well, what's ignorant. the definition of ignorant? You choose not to We're, we're moving on. I don't care anymore. We're moving on. In fact, let's talk about lies. It's because you're wrong. Because you're clearly lying, right? So... <laughs> All right, so something I really want to speak with you in particular in the conversation that we've had in the past, whatever, um, is the lies and and inventions and stories that we tell ourselves. Because in the book, Cadence, (laughs) bad crime. (laughs) She um, deludes herself into thinking that um, her cousins and Gat are all alive. Where in fact, they were not alive and said were, um, uh, you know... Uh, what's it called? Admonitions? No, um, premonitions? No, um, basically ghosts that she created to comfort her. And then she, and then she, once accepting that she was a perpetrator of a very, very bad crime, she accepted that and then they eventually faded away. So, my main question is why do you think Cadence did that? I think it's the guilt. Hmm. I think guilt does that to you. I won't lie to you. Like, I think it's a thing where your brain does that to sort of like, obviously your brain is its like first defense. It wants to try and protect you as much as it can. Mm. And it knows that that sort of, that, that will be literally like, that hurt you way too much. Do you know what I mean? All right, I would say, so, I'll be honest, I feel like with, with my many frustrations with the plot, I really didn't like any of the characters, Cadence included. And one thing I didn't like is that in her relationship with um, Gat, she often, or at least she at, at once, at the very least, dismissed some of Gat's worries, worries in terms of like privileges. And I think this might be an extension of that. She's dismissing many problems in her life and she's dismissing the crime she committed. And only after, you know, trying to accept and realise, you know, the gravity of what she's done, does she you know, become a bit more, you know, present and realise there's a lot of things going on besides what's going on in her brain. So I think it's, it's an extension of her privilege in my in my head anyway. Like, she... I mean, I feel like she had the privilege of doing many things, so for example, ignoring all the bad things happening in the world and poverty and all the things that Gat was trying to raise. And I feel like after his death and everyone else's death... It was her trying to continue that, but except with someone a lot more closer to her. If that makes any sense. Oh, yeah, no, I do see that. That's actually quite a good um, interpretation of it, I think. It's quite smart. Yeah, I was, I was writing it down because I, you know, I wanted to be familiar, familiarise myself with the plot and then think a lot deeper about it. But, you know, some not everyone does oh, that. Oh, oh. All right, <laughs> so another question I have to continue on is, like, do you have any stories that you're comfortable speaking about that you tell yourself that may be false? That may be false. 
Oh, as in to highlight privilege or whatever? Not even just privileges, it's like, I feel like, I my analysis has to do with privilege, yes, but I feel like a good part of it is, you know, guilt or trauma, and she therefore, you know, avoids the fact, avoids accepting and grieving properly over the people she, you know, accidentally killed. And I feel like for our everyday mundane lives, there are things that we tell ourselves. For example, people who we perceive as arrogant, they may tell themselves that, you know, they are the best and there's no way they can improve or something like that. Other people might be like, yeah, it's an acceptable behaviour and I am correct, even though they might not be. Um, Yeah, so I feel like we all have this delusion, whether it's really small, really big, that we tell ourselves or um, try and convince ourselves you know, either to make us feel better or even sometimes it comes up insecurity to make ourselves feel worse. That makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, are there any that yeah, you tell I yourself? Get that. I think I think I think after like massive like I think it's like, you know, after like massive falling out or mm-hmm. something. And the sort of like lie then is just is the whole like seeing people in a right way. Do you get what I mean? I feel like my brain tries to, like, make it... Because that's how, like, I kind of... Not live with myself. Do you get what I mean? But, like, in a sense where, like... Only afterwards, after I've actually calmed down, when I realised that perhaps I... Not just wasn't in the right, or maybe they had, like, a right point, or yada yada, do you get what I mean? If they were wrong, then I couldn't do anything about it. And that's what always kind of... I think, do I set myself up for that? I don't know. Or in a sense where, like... I don't know. I feel like that's the only thing, but... I don't know, is it a lie or is it just defensiveness in the moment? But it doesn't, the lie doesn't necessarily continue. I don't tell myself that lie. I just, I view it. I view it as true. Do you get what I mean? Like, even then at the time, I don't see it as a lie. Right, so you're basically saying your opinion on a situation, um, say it's an argument, for example, you perceive them as wrong. Does that make sense? Or after I'm only, only, Only if, only if, like, there's a... Like we fall out over over it. Does that make okay. sense? Like only if it's if it's deep. And it's deep when we stop talking yada yada. So are you trying to say like you partially villainize them or is it just that situation? Because if not, I feel like that isn't much of a story. I think it's just like a valid opinion. That makes sense. <laughs> um I think yeah. I I yeah, I think it is villainization a little bit. It's sort of like not not even how dare they, but as in like I've done everything I can to be good. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's so. That's so iffy. That's not even. That's not even constant. Oh, I don't know. I feel like I don't actually have a proper thing to your, your answer. But I think your question. <laughs> your question, is more like, do people know? Do people ever know? Like Ari, you said. Oh, you give the example of arrogant people. You know, saying I'm better than, or like I'm doing nothing wrong. Like, for them, they don't even need to say that. Because I feel like if you're you're not actually arrogant if you have to think that. Does that make sense? Like, you are arrogant because you are arrogant. You don't have those thoughts of saying, oh, am I, do I think I'm always right? I am. Do you get what I mean? No, I would say, like, I would disagree. I will say that themselves. they, not, not question, I think they tell themselves that. Like, in the narrative in their brain, they're like, um, are these people that we perceive as arrogant? In their head, they're like, I am right, or I am better, or I am more capable than this person, and they move on. And that's the story that they tell themselves. And that forms part of their self-esteem, their personality or whatnot. 
an example I wrote down, like, I guess, for some people, it's, like, a narrative that I always hear is, like, I, pro- I procrastinate all the time, I'm so lazy and so annoying, I don't know why I do that. Where, alternatively, someone else might say, yeah, I cleaned my room today, I was mentally revising, I didn't do that, but I'll get it done tomorrow. I feel like there's different ways of perceiving something, and then when you think about it, that can form, um, like a core part of your personality or even just like a core part of how you perceive yourself in my opinion oh that's actually really interesting yeah i don't think of it like that um i get it actually i i do get the part where it does it can become part of your core personality i think if you indulge in it too much or perhaps you you let it become part of your personality do you know what i mean I don't know, can you let something become part of your personality? Do you have control? I think I think you do. Like, whether or not it starts as a bit of a joke or, like, a bit, like, ironic or whatever, I mean, like, if you somewhat maintain it, your brain only learns from you. Do you know what I mean? And if your brain... Yeah. If your brain only learns from you and then you just keep instilling these ideas, at the beginning they'll become, like, not funny, but, like, a bit of a joke. And then your brain will start to take you seriously, then you'll take yourself seriously. And that might form part of a habit or form part of a personality trait. Yeah, I think like there's, when I was reading online about, you know, stories that we tell ourselves, narratives and, you know, reframing your thoughts. One method that someone wrote on Reddit about controlling the narrative you tell yourself is that on, on the, in the first place, when you have like an intrusive thought or like a bad thought or whatever sort of thought, it's unconscious, you can't control it. But your choice to indulge in that thought yeah. And to think a bit more about that thought, if that makes any sense. That's all within your control. And if you indulge in that and you repeat it, it becomes sort of like its own self, um, self-functioning self loop, if that makes sense. Yeah, you give like you give power to it. Yeah. And if you give power to something, then it, like, it becomes bigger and it, become, and it can become like integral. Do you know what I mean? Like a part of you. Yeah. I think similarly, I guess, in the book, you know, with <laughs> Cadence... And her choice, I guess, to... Whether it was unconscious or not, her choice to sort of delude herself into thinking that the people that she accidentally murdered were alive, it all had to do with, like, this thought that, you know, she wished that they were alive. And so suddenly it's like, oh, they are alive, they are alive, they are alive. I did a bad thing, but they are alive. And repeating that over and over again until it became, well, basically psychosis is how I'm analysing it anyway. Yeah, but can you really blame Cadence if she was on medication? That's my opinion. Oh, it's so like, you want to talk about the pharmacology of it? I have no idea, I'll be honest. I don't nah, know. No, I have no idea. pharmacology business. I have no idea if that could cause the symptoms. I mean, well, medical students, we need to know if the, you know, the drugs actually can cause that sense of, you know, you know psychosis and, you know, um, intrusive thoughts. You know, you know. Right, and uh, you know we are talking about lies, the lies that Cadence told herself and everything. But why do you think they were called lies in the first place? I don't know. Does does Cadence represent the the we? Does she blame everyone else? Does she think it's a joint thing that, you know, we were lies, we lied about it. Lied about what? Do you know what I mean? Or starting the fire, or doing the fire, or how the fire start? Oh, okay. But like who of why we were liars they went honest maybe it goes even deeper to say like their entire like family I don't, I don't even know I've actually never never thought of the we were liars I just initially thought we're like 
Okay, maybe like the coddling of the parents around Cadence not telling her what she'd done even after everything. Do you get what I mean? It can work on that level. And then it can work on Cadence herself. Is she lying to herself? How much, how intentional was the forgetting? Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I agree with you. I think the main thing I thought was Cadence lying to herself. Her imagining reason with that. Yeah. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. No, the only continue. reason with that is the um, the wee bit. That's the bit that gets me. We were liars. Who's the we? If it was Cadence, it's like, oh, oh, I lied. <laughs> it kind of does change <laughs> the tone of the book. But I don't know. Oh, you mean like the we, we were liars. Okay, I would say, in terms of the cousins, I'll say in one way, I mean, like everyone in life, like we all give ourselves like maybe a, a little bit of like, I know, a lying, a little bit of delusion, a little bit like I were too optimistic, too pessimistic in some ways. But I guess if I think about the, you know, the wider themes of the book, I would say maybe it has to do with like privilege. Like he was like, they were lying to themselves when they thought that life was like, or like was safe or like they were safe. And then when mo- most of them died because of it, they realised, yeah, I-, I was lying. I'm not as safe from everything in the world. And once I was vulnerable... Uh, you know, I I turn into crisp. <laughs> Clearly, I have not. I'm not that um, privileged, or at least I'm not that untouchable. That's one analysis, anyway. Right, game time. I've got a game for you, Alia. Right, the game is called Who okay. Said That and What About This. So, the aim of the game, right. I hope I hope you get this I, right. It's about the characters. I don't know. Yeah. Them. So I have a quotation from the book, and you have to guess who said it. And then I'm gonna give okay, you. A, how many of these? How many of this? Only one, because I know it's it might take okay. a bit of mental stretching, right? So got a quotation <laughs> from the book. You got to guess who said it, what character said it, and then afterwards I'll give you a question. You have to answer in the persona of the character that you picked. Okay. Right. So the okay, quote wow. is, I hope this is. I thought this would be easy, but I'm not sure if you remember much of the book. But we'll see. The quotation is, "Do not accept an evil you can change." Something. Someone stupid like Cadence. Um. Or gap. Yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Oh, amazing! I'm really glad you remembered. You know, so such a good, such a good choice. Thanks so much. Right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the question I have asked you, I'm going to ask you is, what aspect of your friend's personality would you like to change? Of oh, my friends. Mm-hmm. In the persona of Gat. Which, which friend? Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> oh, that which friend? <laughs> Give me a friend. <laughs> um, I don't know. The fact that Cadence is so jarring. Maybe. She- <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't know. I'm so sorry. You know, you were kind of close. I mean, I didn't write like that, but yeah. What about what about Cadence was so jarring? Elaborate. My whole, um, you know, they're not understanding the privilege that I'm rich and all. Um, that's your problem, not mine. Or how? And I think yeah. There's there's something there's something I've noticed right. When you put poor people in a, not in a position of wealth or, or 
in a position where they see a lot of wealth, it can be actually very, very overwhelming. So I just feel like for her to just not, not understand that and just want him to acclimatise straight away, it can actually be quite hurtful. Like when I went to St Paul's for the first like couple of months, I was like in, not in awe, but more in shock. Like I, it wasn't something that I liked. <laughs> it's a private school and I was there on the bursary and I come from a, quite a rough state school. So like, it was so, so different. And like, anything that I had like heard, I like heard on like movies. He didn't actually think they were, they were real life. Mm. People talking about yachts or people talking about how their dad owned the Bank of England or whatever. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Actually, no, I don't get what you mean. I went to a state school, but I, I understand the image that you're trying to create. For bonus. I don't really interact with many international, the people with um, a lot of wealth, I'll be honest. Oh, wait, so, yeah, basically, the answer I created for your for the question that you answered, which you answered correctly, is that when I was writing the answer about what Gat would say if he would ask that question, is that he would say that I wish that my friends had more interest in issues outside our bubble and our island and to acknowledge that they have privileges that others do not. And from there, I would hope that they're willing to change and know just a little bit about the people who serve them and the people around them. And I think you were able to elucidate that. So in spite of the fact that you disappointed me greatly with your, you know, base knowledge of the book, I you have enough to engage in this conversation. And I thank you for that, Alia. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, so last question for you, or last few questions. Number one, would you recommend this book? I would in a heartbeat. I think it's... I love the way Yeah, it's that's interesting because you don't remember the book. <laughs> and I'm going to repeat that. It's you forgot the main plot twist. I, you know, even, even today, even today when I was reading the first 10 pages, I was captivated by it. It reminded me all over again why I love the book. How did this book change you, if at all? I think for me, I, I think it made me actually really like books more. I don't know. It was like the way it was written. So poetic. It's not even poetic. Look at, reading it back now, it's actually so moist. But... <laughs> <laughs> I think for me it's more nostalgia mm-hmm. like I read that book I made my entire year read that book and I was just so passionate about it I still remember in like year 10, year 11 I was so so passionate about it and everyone knew it because it was my favourite book whatever, do you get what I mean mm. and to this day I don't know why why it shocked me like that I think yeah, no, I was actually really into books when I was in secondary school but yeah not gonna lie, this book didn't change me but I did like the writing style because it's it's very rare that I Same. that I read a book that um has like fan I like to call it fantastical elements either it's fantasy or it's reality. Yeah. I don't really go in between, so yeah. it was interesting. That's what I love so much. What, oh, so now yeah. you remember what you love about it? Very nice. Um, <laughs> and uh, and it was very no, interesting I, to read. I love yeah. when an, yeah. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. I just, I just, I love when like authors make like mundane things feel more special than they are do you get what i mean i feel like if you're romant- if you romanticize life like that it's actually a lot more prettier do you get what i mean mm. that you actually live life even, even if you're living life in a dead way but if you live life if you have a different perspective it's pretty yeah and, yeah it's all about the story it tells ourselves and the lies and inventions such mm, as mm, the mm, same mm, thing mm, to mm, parallel mm, how mm, cadence mm. you know deluded exactly itself. exactly exactly it's all to do with the stories we tell ourselves hmm Listen, I'm way too smart. Did I just repeat exactly what you just said? (laughs) (laughs) 
Right, the last the last yeah. thing I have you to do is in the chat, read the last bit of the book so you can say goodbye to our audience. My <laughs> my full name is Cadence Sinclair Eason. I'm a bad Vermont with mommy and three dogs. I'm only eighteen. I own a well used library card and an envelope full of dried beech roses, a book of fairy tales and a handful of lovely purple rocks. Not much else. <laughs> Yeah, me, it really was back there. How shut the fuck up? Do you know, I always feel fucking Cadence Sinclair Eastern or whatever to just stop acting so whatever. I am a perpetrator of a foolish through the crime that became a tragedy. Yes, it's true. I fell in love with someone and that he died along with the two other people I love best in the world. That has been the main thing to know about me. The only thing about me for a very long time, although I didn't know myself. But there must be more to know, there will be more. My full name is Cadence Sinclair Eastman. I suffer migraines. I do not suffer fraud. I like a twist of meaning. I endure the end. Yeah, he said it. I thought you were going to be more dramatic, like the end. But thank you very much. And a goodbye to you, Alia. And hopefully you'll be back with more knowledge about the next book or poetry, whatever, that we read. Have a nice time. Have a nice life. <laughs>